0: Accessing library computer data. Out there, there are no saints. Just
1: people. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. We're continuing our run through of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. We're deep in the muck of season three. We're up to the episode called Distant Voices... It's the 18th episode of the third season, aired on April 10th, 1995. Teleplay goes to Iris, Stephen Bear, and Robert Hewitt-Wolf. Story credit goes to our old friend Joe Minoski, directed by Alexander Singer. In this episode, after an alien assault leaves Bashir unconscious, he is trapped inside his mind. We're joined by Clay. Clay, how are you? I took one note for this episode,
0: and that (laughs) is, Andrew Robinson is clearly not a tennis player.
1: (laughs) What makes you say that? Uh, his form is terrible. <laughs> well, I mean, for all the uh, all the hype that Bashir is talking, I don't think Bashir was any Andre Agassi or True. anything out there. Yet. Although,
0: it might just mean that Andrew Robinson is a really good actor because there's no reason why a Cardassian would be good at tennis. Exactly. Right. But if it's inside of Bashir's mind, why wouldn't he be good at tennis? Right. He'd want a sparring partner. Uh, that would be his There are equal. so many layers to this episode, and we will dig into all of them.
1: Yeah, let's... Uh, <laughs> I don't know if this will be a long or a very short podcast, but let's talk about Distant Voices. I'm going to play an audio clip. We'll come back, and we're going to break it down. some time to think. Maybe I would. I say we do nothing until we get reinforcements. Julian, spatial. there you are. Where have you been? Looking for we're you. In trouble. And we
0: well, I'm glad you're here. you
1: get the communication system back online. It'll take hours too many systems have been sabotaged all my work crews are missing and i cannot make new parts until we get the replicators fixed the first thing we need to do is neutralize the lethian the lethian You mean Altovar? You know him. We've met. He attacked me in the infirmary. Oh, well. Now he's trying to kill us all by destroying the station. What are we waiting for? Let's get some phasers and hunt him down. If you ask me, none of us are safe until he is dead. If we go looking for the Lethian, we're the ones who'll end up dead.
0: I'll tell you what, if we find the Lethian, maybe we can find you a backbone.
1: (sighs) Maybe he doesn't want us to find the Lethian. Maybe he's in league with him. Computer, scan the occupants of this room for any anomalies. Doctor, what are you doing? You're all acting very strangely, and I intend to find out why. Computer! Don't bother, Doctor. For some reason, the computer isn't working. But Don't go blaming me for that, Constable. None of this will be happening if security had done its job. That's enough. All right, Clay. So the way I'm going to lead into this is by saying that uh, I went to college with our mutual friend, Sean. And mm-hmm. me and Sean took a <clears throat> video film course for avant-garde filmmaking. Um, and we watched a lot of avant-garde movies. We were young, cynical, 20-somethings at the time. So, of course, we kind of didn't really understand what the whole thing about avant-garde was. We kind of spent the time laughing at it. And then the final Mm -hmm. project was to make an avant-garde student film, which we did. And our final product is remarkably similar to what Distant Voices is about. <laughs> and do you I, still have that? I'd love to see it. I do have it, yeah. We, <laughs> I have it on YouTube. I'll share it with people. Uh, I'll put a link into this video. But it is... Um, $100 Patreon tier gets you the student <laughs> film. <laughs> it is... That is not a marker of quality for this episode. It is more the fact that this episode functions on the level of a bad student film. Um Mm -hmm. so let's get into distant voices you sound like you didn't like it um
0: i didn't hate it but i just i was not really engaged by it um it actually the whole time i was watching it did you remember a movie that came out uh i want to say early 2000s called identity with um
1: john cusack i don't i think it sounds familiar but i don't think i've ever seen it
0: so it's actually a pretty fun movie I, i mean i haven't seen it since it came out, so maybe it doesn't hold up. But uh, the plot is basically a bunch of strangers all end up at the same motel. Oh, isn't it? Is
1: it a motel? Yeah, it is a motel. I do know that movie. I do know that. Yeah, and
0: a bunch of uh, murders start happening and, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, they all end up, turns out they're all connected. It's kind of an Agatha Christie thing. Except the twist is that the motel and all of the people at the motel are inside of the mind of a crazy man yeah yeah and they are all like different personalities that this guy has uh and at the time i thought that was a great i mean you know i wasn't expecting that so i don't know whether or not that's a good twist is debatable but at the time it was an interesting way to end the movie um this felt like that movie if five minutes into the movie they were like so we figured out that we're all part of the same guy's crazy brain And then from that point, you're just kind of like, well, what the hell are we doing here, I guess? Because I don't know. It just, there was no, I did not find anything that they were doing in this episode interesting.
1: No. The, um, one of my notes (laughs) that I wrote down is that, where the hell is it? I probably wrote it down. It's an avant-garde idea smashed into the dumb, and dumb is in quotes, Trek storytelling model. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. the, 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 the script here, the script writers and the production team don't take they don't respect the intelligence of the audience in this one. Like it's Mm -hmm. a, it's clearly a, it's a Minoski script. Uh, the Minoski theme is always his concepts are better than his execution. Always Mm -hmm. like across the board, except for Darmok, maybe that's like his, his pinnacle achievement. But Minoski scripts are always this weird identity questioning schism between reality and what you're seeing in the episode. And distant voices is An attempt to do that, but it doesn't do the avant-garde respecting the audience, trying to challenge you in any way because it's a Star Trek episode. So they explain 10 minutes into the episode what everybody means, what all the personalities are across the board. And then the rest of it is just... The bad guy capturing the personalities, which doesn't amount to anything. There's no, right. there's no reason that that doesn't impact Bashir at all. Like he doesn't suffer because his personality traits are being taken away from him. Right. He doesn't even really suffer because he's getting older because he solves the problem. He doesn't lose his mind as he's getting older. He just solves mm-hmm. the problem. He's just slower. He breaks his hip at one point. That's the extent of it. And I feel like he breaks his hip like four times.
0: He he also. He falls over like three or four times and every time he's like, wow, ah, I'm old.
1: And then the next scene, he's fine. He, he walks off a broken hip very easily in all of these mm. episodes and all of these other uh, motions. But that's my big problem. I think the episode is insulting on some level that it's like, here's a, I'm not going to say this is a great idea. A lot of stuff of you, as you've said, like the identity movie have done something along these lines. My student film was the same idea. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's how I'm expecting royalties, but It's just it's really boring after they make the reveal. And I'm I'm on board for the first 10 minutes when it's kind of a weird pseudo horror thing going on. Mm -hmm. And then after that, it's just like, I don't care anymore once they reveal what's going on.
0: Yeah. And they 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 continuously undercut their own premise, too, because like at the end, at the end, after uh, Bashir comes back. Um, there's that little like coda at the end where, uh, with him and Garrick again. And, and he's like, yeah, yeah, that guy didn't even make it. He was a pretty dumb, dumb villain. He got arrested almost immediately. And it's like, what, what? So what, what's going, what was going on here? Like is, there's no, I don't it's know. just about just surviving,
1: seem- just about surviving the attack, I guess, you know?
0: Yeah. I don't know. It just seemed kind of pointless. I think it's at the end.
1: I think it's bad form when the opening cold open sort of bluntly lays out what the theme of the episode is going to be about. You know, like when you are when you introduce it in a non subtle way, which is like Bashir is just afraid of getting old, I guess, is the point of this episode, because I mean, doesn't that doesn't that kind of show you how little we know about Bashir at this point that they just kind of give him a generic I'm afraid of getting older fear and he doesn't have anything else outside of that. But I did you find
0: that him getting old actually like mattered though I I don't remember unless I, I'm just blanking was there was there a it just seemed like something that was happening and not really something that was overly affecting his state of mind cuz like he once the the villain becomes revealed he ends up just like you know Battling the villain while he continues to get old like it yeah. did it didn't feel it didn't feel to me again unless I completely missed it because I may have dozed off <laughs> um uh it didn't feel like the getting old aspect really added to the stress like the uh character based stress of Bashir it just no. seemed like a physical transformation
1: no it's a purely it almost feels like they had gone through it and they realized that they didn't have enough um stakes there like they felt they needed to artificially inflate the problem because mm-hmm. as you say you didn't miss anything he does not suffer from losing his personalities and getting older it slows him yeah down. i didn't think that, so that's about it like he he's he's slower getting from place to place but it's all in his mind his mind solves the problem it's not like he develops alzheimer's and starts to like lose touch with reality on, on mm-hmm. some level so it's to me it just felt like it was just like this Ex, like extra stuff that you didn't really need the only thing I appreciated about it is that there's a middle stage where Bashir is a dead ringer for Reed Richards <laughs> <laughs> Yeah <laughs> He's got the gray on the sides and the. the you know, it's funny on.
0: I was surprised to hear that he was only turning 30 because I th- I assumed he was older Yeah, and like the first iteration where they just kind of gray the side of his hair I was like,
1: yeah, that looks right.
0: That looks about how old I thought he was
1: he looks like a uh, he, he. He's got a very presidential candidate look when they started him off in the aging. He's he's got yeah, the sort of regal. Uh,
0: he's got the uh, the Romney hair. <laughs>
1: That's right. I mean, let's talk about because I don't well. I don't know. Uh, is is there something else you wanted to talk about? Like I guess we should talk about the sort of mechanics of this episode because it's it's kind of garbage. But the 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 thing is Bashir is stuck in his own mind. He gets psychically attacked. He wakes up in the station that's isolated and empty. Um I the best part of the episode maybe outside of the, the very final scene is the uh direction and shooting of the empty station, which I think is pretty effective. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. I like episodes that show you the station from a different angle and a different perspective um and i think the directors had fun with that early on here eventually it breaks into bashir runs into all the crew members who are members or parts of his personality and they're supposed to be like dax is his impulsive side i guess odo is his paranoia o'brien is his um cowardice i guess
0: yeah i really like that scene because they're all in that room and Kira's like, man, you're really made up of a bunch of assholes. She's a jerk. She's a jerk. She's a jerk. I'm an
1: asshole and he's a coward. <laughs> it doesn't say much for uh, the the personality traits of Mr. Bashir or Dr. Bashir here, I think. But like... The the problem with it is that they all stand in a line in a row and identify themselves as what they are. Yeah. And it's so awful. It's like they, they don't even really bother writing the script to reflect it outside of their weird one off sentence character beats. Like there's no the Odo Paranoia character doesn't have any impact on how the story goes. The O'Brien cowardice has right, no impact right. on anything. They just say it and then they leave you alone and that's the end of that's the end of it.
0: Yeah. Um yeah, it's it's very hamfisted. It does it does feel like a you know like a college project in that way. In that it's like just in case you weren't clear on what's going on here, we will all step forward and say who we are and what our powers are. I'm. St- uh, it's like it's like it's like early '80s comic books in that way, in which anytime there's a new character, they have to say their name, who what they do, and how they can help the situation. Yeah, and I the- actually thought. That it would have been kind of cool. I, I think, you know, after the attack at the beginning, I understand coming back and having the, the station be a mess um, is a good way to get you into it. Because, like, uh, it's, I although I, I immediately started running through all the possible things in my head, like, as soon as it started, where he, when he wakes up and, you know, he hits the, the com badge, I was like, okay, so nobody, okay, this is one of those ones where nobody's on the thing for some reason. And then, you know, and, the, and that ended up kind of being what it was to an extent. Um, but, like, I was thinking they should have done it the other way, because the way that it's set up here was more or less like the station is broken, and that's a metaphor or representation of his mind, and they have to get the station working again in order to get him back. Yeah,
1: Yeah, exactly. But
0: I kind of feel like it would have been a better episode if they had done the reverse and had it been getting progressively worse so like he wakes up and things are more or less normal but they're just slightly off like one of those
1: things right i see what and you and then mean.
0: it just gets weirder and weirder and and more chaotic and more broken down like so it's like the deterioration of his brain
1: right as he's as he's and that would tie into as he's getting older his brain is right, starting to exactly fall apart, yeah. yeah
0: i don't know if you've seen the movie mother the darren aronofsky movie i have not no uh, but I thought it was great. Um, and they do a really good job of like presenting a very normal situation and then just having it deteriorate into like a David Lynch horror situation that just keeps getting stranger and stranger and stranger and stranger and stranger, and stranger as things keep breaking down. Yeah, and uh, I I think I think the episode could have been served by that because it would have it would have been easier to track it wouldn't have felt probably wouldn't have felt as ham-fisted you wouldn't have had to sit like sit around and explain it as much um and it probably would have been a little bit more interesting like it gets kind of weird but i think it could have been a lot weirder
1: no and it would be like for a concept like this the point is to go weird right like you can't you can't be hamstrung by the star Trek tropes of this is the kind of story that we tell. And this is how the sort of action of a star Trek episode goes. Like if you're going to go this route, you really have to just sort of weird it up. And I like your idea of progressively making things odder and having it start decently. Um, that probably would have made more sense as it stands now. It's like a, you know, the the big influence I get from this is actually, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street because the villain is Freddy Krueger in this yeah basically um so i would have i would have and you know how kruger is uh sort of about the fear of his victims kind of Mm -hmm. or at least they they build it up that way this guy is kind of doing that except he's doing a really lame version which is low self-esteem on bashir's part um Mm where Bashir is not confident in his ability and the guy is trying to play off of that, and then Bashir, by the end of the episode, he's like, you know what? I was a great tennis player, but I'm an even better doctor. Um, Yeah,
0: that stuff drove me fucking crazy, man. Like, that that was, like, A-level lazy writing, lazy character writing, because you've got nothing in the way of character development for the whole episode, and then the bad guy shows up and he's like, I've seen all of your memories. I know that you could have been a great tennis player (laughs) couldn't you have and and you're like what he's a fucking tennis player right and then then (laughs) he's like i know that you purposely answered that question wrong on your doctor test didn't you and it's like okay all right you know like it's it's at he's the the you're learning this stuff by the bad guy telling it to you and that is that is not good character work it's awful
1: i i think the the entire end where he uh, when he walks into the scene where he's having the birthday party and the Dabo girl is there with him. Mm-hmm. It that is that's purely a padding scene. There's no reason for that to be in his mind at that point. There's no reason for him to sort of have to deal with that situation. And from that point on, the the villain becomes stupid, as you're saying. Like he's explaining yeah. everything to Bashir, and I just it's not. That's not a good that's a weakness of Bashir as a character at this point, because they don't have anything that they can really build off of him at the, like that's why his concern is so generic, like getting older Mm. and not being good at tennis or something stupid. Like there's nothing. They try to come close a little bit where they have the Dax thing where he admits his feelings for Dax. He's like, I really like her, but I am content at this point to be friends, which is maybe the only moment of character development that is built off of something that we've previously Mm -hmm. seen. That's fine but they don't focus on it. They're they're and more why, concerned with the tennis.
0: Why wasn't the Dabo girl? Why wasn't that Dax? Dax? Yeah, Dax, it should have been Dax, yeah. That's such a layup. And I mean it does it, it and you're in a you're inside his brain which is more or less a dream sequence. So there's no reason that just because she was there as part of his, you know, okay. psyche or whatever, she can't also be there cuz at that point the villain's controlling everything. So why not repurpose her in that way that she was mentioned at the beginning of the episode uh, and specifically in a situation where you're calling out the fact that he has feelings for her yeah that seems like a no-brainer to me
1: seems like a no-brainer to me the uh, the other thing that kind of ties in at the end is garrick um i do like the way that they flip it around at the very ending scene where garrick is saying that um uh garrick was the villain in bashir's subconscious and that garrick is proud of bashir for realizing yes, that yeah. I, that is that's fine that works and builds off of something but i o- oh go ahead sorry well i mean, i just want to say o'brien is cowardice doesn't work uh odo is paranoia works on something like mm-hmm. that feels like odo but the rest of it is just not really great kira doesn't work for me anything like that
0: i was just gonna say i would like to call out now because i was gonna mention it in the next episode as well um i think andrew robinson's uh reaction shots are gold mine like <laughs> He's he's a really great actor and he's a good actor yeah Every time that they need to like I'm sure they I'm sure they do coverage on him specifically cuz they know that they can cut to him at any point if they have to and he's always got this like really weird you know funny look on his face where he looks like he's engaged in the situation Yeah yeah He's he's re- he's really good at that Compare that to Well, we can get into the next episode, but compare that to the reaction shots of Cisco's wife. Right. You know. Yeah. And uh,
1: Robinson does well because of he's acting through makeup, too. Like the Cardassians have pretty substantial facial makeup on. They're not Klingons or anything like that, but they're pretty or Ferengi, but they're pretty intensive in their makeup. He does. He's a um, I was talking about this with someone else patron brad i think we were talking about um jeffrey combs is does a oh, lot yeah he does a lot of ds9 work you haven't seen any of the episodes that he's been in but he Wait eventually he eventually becomes a very prominent recurring character um is he and, that,
0: the blue guy or is that who he was on tng uh
1: the blue guy he he plays a blue guy on enterprise oh it's enterprise okay yeah he, play, he plays the andorian the guy with the antenna um <laughs> yeah he so he's he's the lead in reanimator I think Jeffrey Combs Um, Mm -hmm. and Combs. Let me know what you think about this. And I think that this applies to what you were saying here with uh, Andrew Robinson, the best Star Trek actors or maybe supporting actors would be a better way to say it is the ones who they are people who bring a little bit of camp to it, but it doesn't overwhelm the performance, but they do over. They, they are a bit too broad, like and yes. they, it works through the makeup, but it works for Star Trek when they're a little bit hammy, but they know how to pull it back and they can also do serious at the same time, but their general, their general baseline is like 5% above normal into camp and they stay there at that level. I think it ro- works really well for Star Trek.
0: Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, so <clears throat> the, the makeup, the makeup can be so limiting that, you know, having the presence of mind to be able to control how much you can dial it up is that's that's not easy that's that's a difficult skill to have and those guys are good actors you know yeah. like i it's too bad i mean at this point he's probably been under he had probably been under makeup more times than he wanted to be but it's it's too bad that tim curry never had a role on star trek cuz he would have yeah. been a great star trek villain
1: yep yep that would have been the same same kind of like idea like
0: christopher lloyd christopher lloyd's a fantastic star trek villain yep cuz you know you put him under all that klingon klingon makeup in search for spock and he can still you know, dial into the Christopher Lloyd thing enough where it, it all comes through, you know?
1: Right, and that's where the... Uh, that's the that's the movie that started to sell the Klingons as operatic Shakespeareans, right? right and I think he sort right. of plays it that way in a way that they hadn't been played before, which is a very sort of hammy... Uh, in a way, yeah. it's a hammy performance.
0: Even Montelbon, too. I mean, Montalban is a ham and a half, but, yeah. I mean, it works for that character,
1: you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, let's see, Distant Voices. Did I have anything else here? No, I, I like the direction... Reed Richards, I mentioned that, <laughs> smashing the dumb thing. I don't know. Is there anything else you really you really cared about in this uh, episode that you want to talk about?
0: Um,
1: Not really. I, I, I felt I, I, I had think, something,
0: but I can't remember. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I don't think it's a, it's, you know, I, I would agree with what you said. I think the concept is probably is much better than the execution. Because, uh, like, they, they make such a big point of, offing all of these characters and then kira they just ha- pan by as she's dead on the ground you know like yeah. there's no there's no connection uh, to any of these psyche characters to bashir and you know like you said there's their their removal doesn't affect him at all and it's yeah it's just not it's just not a very uh well realized um episode unfortunately because it could you know i I like the weird star trek ones um and this unfortunately was on the the lower end for me of those yeah,
1: yeah. i um there was, I was reading one review that said, uh, you know, the, the scene you were talking about where they all reveal, the crew members all reveal what personalities they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you watch St- uh, Frame of Mind with me? The teen, You know Frame of Mind, the TNG episode where Riker goes crazy? Yes. They have a scene there, a review was saying, that does more in like three minutes than this entire episode. It's the one where Riker imagines Picard, Worf, and Deanna as part of his mind, like when he's talking to them in the uh, insane asylum. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it that is an episode that treats it respectfully because the characters are representing different aspects of an archetype to Riker like they don't come out and say it but Picard is like the disciplinarian sort of in charge person his emotional aspect and Worf is his anger aspect Mm -hmm. and that works and it's better in two minutes of that than this entire thing is where the characters don't feel like they're really appropriately set to a personality trait it's like couldn't they have just I, I feel they could have used better personality traits to describe it. It feels like they had a list of traits and they had to assign them to the characters as opposed to naturally working them from those people.
0: Yeah, I also feel like the situation in which they're introduced is not helping because you're introducing these characters you're still trying to to keep the uh you, you what, they haven't revealed what's going on yet, so they're still trying to keep some of the mystery there so when you when you see them the first time They're reacting to the situation as those characters would react to a problem on the station and that adds a level of uh, Everybody's sort of on the same uh, Intensity level that kind of takes away from from what they're trying to do it if it had I don't know if that makes sense, but like so you've got Odo is acting uh What's what is Odo? What's what's paranoia? His? Paranoia. He that's what he's supposed to do, but he just comes off as Odo would come off in a regular scene, given the situation. Yeah, that makes sense. Slightly whinier, but he
1: he's not acting totally out of character for what right. He and should same
0: be. with same with Dax. I mean, like they weren't they were they weren't so clearly defined in each of these uh uh traits that it it really stood out,
1: and I think. Everyone just seems a little bit angry like that. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, I guess. Yeah, that's
0: what I was trying to say more or less. It's like, everybody seems kind of angry or, um, and even, even O'Brien is, he's coward. He's being a coward, but he's still kind of angry about it. Yes. Um, which is why that's what that when Kira points everything out, she's, it's like, she's just pointing out that everybody's just a a couple clicks away from each other, but then O'Brien's also a coward. Right. (laughs) Um, and, in frame of mind, if I remember correctly, Riker's interactions with those uh with Picard Wharf and Troy are all based around himself, right,
1: yeah, yep,
0: yeah, so that way they are kind of mirroring they're they're giving back to him his own his own perspective, uh, yeah, his own perspective and traits, whereas Bashir is actually entering into an external situation, yeah, that's true. And it's so these characters are reacting to this external situation, not reacting to Bashir um however, I think you could pull that off. I just think the characters would need to be more clearly defined and probably dialed up a little bit more in how much they're going for whatever trait they're supposed to be. you know well
1: you need more you need more dream sequency type interactions like the the one where Bashir runs into quark in the bar those are the kind of scenes that you need to have with the other characters. Like mm-hmm. what they're basically yes. doing is yeah. just having a normal conversation with each other, except they have names like the seven dwarfs where it's like sneezy bashful and whatever. And you're supposed to just sort of link them together. But if you had more uh, quirk like interactions in a weird dream, surreal world where, you know, everything is a little bit off and they don't feel totally right. Like they, they spend too much time in this episode discussing the fact that they don't exist the characters are aware of the fact that they are not real. And that right. ruins the dreamscape for me. Right, like you need right. to believe in this dreamscape. It's not a holodeck program. It's Bashir's mind.
0: Right. And I think if, if also if the problem had been, um, well, I guess it was directly linked to Bashir. But I, I guess it was, if it had been, because, again, they explain everything so quickly that you find out that it's linked to Bashir but it's very literally linked to Bashir uh if it had been a problem that Bashir is himself feels personally um affected by not in the literal way that it is but like uh uh god jeez how do i explain this um
1: that it's just like a problem he's mulling over or something is yeah like sp-
0: like the, the situation that is specifically Uh, something that Bashir would react negatively to. Right. So, so basically, like, so you can, it's it's a situation that directly affects Bashir, and you can see how all of these characters would represent his approach to that situation. Right. Not just the generic getting older problem. You mean? Yeah. I think that's kind of what they're trying to do, but I don't think they do it very well. Is the
1: problem? Right. Exactly. It, It becomes. The episode is okay if they focus on that and instead they focus it onto a, the station is going to blow up type storyline where we need to hustle to the end to get to our solution. Um, And it's not, it's not artistic enough. Uh, It's not creative enough of an idea. It's something that you could really go places with and they just end up going nowhere with it. Yeah. I mean, even if, even if the problem
0: was that they were focusing on was that Bashir was getting older, you know, that's something where it's affecting him directly. And you can see based on how all of these other characters are reacting to him that right. would be representative of his feelings on the subject whereas the the problem with the station, though they say, "Oh, the station is linked to your psyche, blah 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 like it's not as it's not as um uh relatable, yeah, as something that's personally happening to him would be.
1: You know what I mean? Yeah, so I mean, um, the, the growing older we've talked about has been a trope in the movies for all the characters, like how get growing older and change is a big deal. Bashir is just problematic because they take no specific direction towards getting older. Like, Kirk doesn't want to get older because he believes he's becoming irrelevant. Yeah. Uh, Picard feels like things are changing beneath him and he's losing his family. Bashir mm-hmm. doesn't want to get older because he doesn't want to get old like there's there's nothing else outside of that there's no fear of losing his um surgeon hands or anything like that he's just like "Ah, i'm 30 i don't want to be 30 anymore i'm 29 i like being 29
0: yeah pretty much but isn't that isn't that the most relatable thing ever though
1: pretty um probably i'd have to i'd have to pull a visionary and go back five years in time i guess to see where i ended up what i felt like when i was 29 i just remember 30 was when physical problems started appearing um Yeah, it's like a friggin' switch, isn't it? It is, yeah. yeah. I, I do I do remember at the time
0: not thinking it was gonna bother me until after I it happened. And then I was like, Oh, I guess I never really thought about this, but yeah, it is kind of kinda of weird.
1: <laughs> Another day ticked by yeah, I just had I started having like uh neck nerve problems. It's just like you your your body doesn't uh heal itself as quickly and stuff like that. It's just it's when all my the problems just started appearing for me. Just the uh the whittling of the body away, I suppose. Yeah. Let's see. Um I think we're done with this one. I don't think there's too much. We talked about it for don't about a Don't get
0: old kids. We talked
1: <laughs> And if you do, don't run into a Freddy Cougar. Oh, what'd you think of the alien's makeup? I actually like the alien makeup in this oh no, I did I
0: did not like it. You didn't like it? Okay. No, it seemed it seemed like uh I, maybe it was less his makeup and more his voice I didn't think his voice was weird enough no it wasn't to go dumb. with the makeup
1: I liked it, the shots of him when he's in the dark hallway I think he's pretty creepy in that yeah. but he, he's uh, his voice is certainly was a mistake we're going to play an audio clip me and Clay are going to come back and we're going to give our final thoughts we'll read some patron thoughts and then we'll wrap it up you've put up an entertaining struggle doctor well I'm glad you enjoyed yourself Now it's time to make things easy on yourself.
0: Oh, you mean just give up? I don't think so. Why not? Isn't that what you've always done? Remember, Doctor,
1: I am inside your head. I know all about you. When you were younger, you wanted to be a tennis player, didn't you? All right, guys. So if you support the show on patreon.com slash the Penske file, you can leave your thoughts about upcoming episodes and I'll read them on the podcast and me and Clay will make fun of you. So how many of
0: the thoughts about this episode are just, what do you guys think of the new discovery trailer?
1: (laughs) (laughs) These all came before then, unfortunately, so we'll have to wait till another episode to touch on that. Um, but people should go watch the season two discovery trailer. If you haven't done that yet, let us know what you thought. Distant Voices, Stephen Cobb says, Pretty standard lost-in-their-own-head, lost-in-someone-else's-head warp-bubble episode. Perfectly okay. Made a bit better by Garrick's presence. Um, I'm probably more negative on it than Stephen is, but, uh, I think it's it's less than an okay episode. Um, Clay, I do want to reassure you, because this is probably the last aimless, rudderless Bashir-focused episode that they have, um... Mm -hmm. They make some drastic changes with the character, and he get like a back tattoo or something <laughs> he gets uh like a red dragon uh tattoos nice. all over himself, and uh he starts crushing people's heads no he um that would be
0: that would be awesome if like <laughs> if if they had a character on one of these shows, like Deep Space Nine, where it's like, yeah, you know it's been three seasons he's kind of a wet blanket we haven't really done anything with him what if we gave him like a pill problem and he starts doing like <laughs> under the table, unnecessary surgeries or something like that. And we just like build on that for three months, three seasons. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. like, like Dennis's uh serial killer subplot from it's always sunny. Yeah. That they touch on every now and then,
1: which I think is one <laughs> of the best things I've ever seen. Bashir doesn't go quite that dark, um, but they do improve him. This is probably the last episode where he has no characterization whatsoever. They were considering firing the actor. At this point oh really and i don't think it's his fault it's it's not his fault this is purely a writing failure um
0: he is just they were gonna fire him but they were gonna keep dax keep dax the sex appeal
1: i guess i don't i don't know if i don't know if they would replace him or i would assume that they could not replace him but it feels like you need a doctor character but i don't there's nothing there that's not a writer problem like what's your big problem with Bashir, (laughs) if you had to describe it if you have a problem with him i'm just assuming you do
0: uh, I honestly don't, only because I don't think he's really done anything. He's just right. kind of, he's a, he's a, he feels like a season one character in that he's the Doctor, and that's about it. Right.
1: Yeah. I, I, I think the problem is he is, out of everyone else, his backstory is either non-existent or they mention it and I immediately forget about it at that point. Mm-hmm. Like, he has no backstory or sort of sense of being... Out there, you know, in season one, they introduced him as like the sort of naive uh, kid uh, savant who wants to go out and sort of tame the West, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, They've dropped that mostly. He's now just kind of a steady doctor who doesn't sexually harass his co-workers anymore which is was the only thing that he had going for him and but he, uh, could have,
0: he could have gone pro man well, apparently he could pro sports is still something that exists in the 24th <laughs> century or whatever century we're in
1: <laughs> at least they didn't bother making up uh, or predicting world series championship they didn't predict like he could have won the french open 17 years in a row or something yeah un- unseating uh nadal uh, let's see here <laughs> distant voices Uh, Kyle Barrett says, I love a good dream uh, coma episode, whether it's The Leftovers, The Sopranos, or Twin Peaks. Episodes bubbling with twisted symbolism and Lynchian dream logic. Sadly, this episode isn't one of them. Instead of keeping everything ambiguous with the subtle symbolism, the episode commits to the cardinal sin of these types of stories by having Bashir actively explain what everything represents and means. Use mm-hmm. ambiguity in your favor and you can get a lot more information across than you can with straight answers. If you want a good story of a person trying to wake up, wake up from a coma and restructure their mind in the process, then check out Alex, Alex Garland's book, The Coma. As for the episode, it's a big missed opportunity and one of the worst of the season. I agree with Kyle uh, here. I think this is one of the worst episodes that I've seen so far of the season. Have you read The you, the Coma? I haven't, no. Um, I actually
0: didn't realize Garland was a novelist until the other day. I didn't um, either.
1: Discord opened that to my... Yeah. I didn't realize he wrote The Beach.
0: <clears throat> yeah, I didn't know that either. Um, I actually just watched... Uh, there's an episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer that I always was always one of my favorites and I I don't think it's many people's favorites because it's it's very much like a it's it's the last episode of season 4 and they have like this the story is over um but there's one episode left and it's just this um dream sequence episode where each one of the characters there's a monster hunting them in their dreams and I always loved it cuz I thought it was I I'm a, I'm always a sucker for the dream logic, uh, weird dream stuff like, you know, mother or uh, you know, David Lynch's stuff. And I just thought they just knocked it out of the park with that episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer cuz it's weird, it's symbolic uh as you go on in the series, a lot of the stuff that they mention there, they follow through on in a literal way uh, um, that you don't realize until later. Um and it's just a good freaky episode. And this has none of that stuff because it's just like everything he said is accurate. Um, yeah, it's overexplained, it's undercooked, and you know unfortunate,
1: yeah, it is. um, let's see. So the last comment comes to comes from Neil Brennan, Distant voices suddenly, We's recurring criticism of the lack of a Dominion presence in the middle of season three starts to make sense. <laughs> um, the i i I guess this is a good enough place and. you've watched a couple, maybe well. Maybe we'll wait until the next episode that we're doing through the looking glass. Um, But I think season three is a... The middle of season three of DS9 is sort of surprisingly not very good. Uh, There's a Mm. lot of weak episodes here. It is... We say that Bashir is rudderless in this episode. It's clear that the show does not know what to do uh, in the middle of this section.
0: That's really interesting, given that they
1: kind of seemed like they were getting it together. We are two episodes away from the show getting it together. So it, it it does it does come but this is the end of this sort of bad middle section where they don't really know what to do. Um isn't this this is so always so fascinating to me cuz it's like um
0: I think I, I don't know if I brought this up before but uh, uh our friend Sean um and multiple people have actually told me this. Uh are really into the Wheel of Time books. Yeah, right. Um and I'm not I'm not a big fantasy Reader, uh, but he was telling me about those and he's like yeah, it's like 13 books I'm like Jesus. That's a lot of books They're all like five or six hundred pages or so, you know They're big thick novels and the guy died and, right? Yeah, and somebody else finished it his son uh, finished them. Yeah Yeah, but he, he was like yeah, oh man the first two the first two books are so good books like three through seven are Terrible, <laughs> but book eight is great. I'm like Jesus Christ. <laughs> how do you stick with something? I mean, obviously those aren't accurate, so don't you know yell at me because the th- books three through eight are not are actually really good. I'm just yeah, it's actually that six example. point six point five yeah. is
1: where the turn comes. Yeah, uh,
0: but like I've always thought that interesting because part of, part of me with books it's like I don't know how you read that much and continue to read it and think it's terrible only to get to continue the, reading. Yeah. yeah, but with TV shows, I always. Kind of hated it when people would be like, Oh, this show is great. The first season's terrible, but if you can get through the first season, the rest, you know, like, like basically any Star Trek series. Yep. Yep. Um, but you kind of have to. It's, it's, it's tough because, like, even, you know, again, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one of my favorite shows. Anytime I sell it to people, I'm like, Listen, the first season is pretty bad. Yeah. But it, it, it's, it's a level of like, finding your way that doesn't exist anymore, I don't think. Um, because it's, shows need to be better quicker now.
1: Yes, uh, immediately. Shows need to be good immediately.
0: Well, yeah, most of the time. Otherwise, and sometimes you get something like The Walking Dead or Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which just keeps being terrible for seven seasons. But
1: They started off, didn't Walking Dead start off okay, though? Or was it I thought bad? the first season
0: of Walking Dead was garbage. I oh, okay. hated it. Interesting. Um. The first, I didn't think see I didn't think walking dead got like watchable until the third season and even that I was like barely hanging on Then um, they only they only they only got it together for about half a season and then it went in the toilet again uh, That's just my personal opinion um, But yeah, it seems like shows need to be better faster uh, So it's interesting with these older shows and older great shows too, like X Files is the same way. You know, it's X Files yep. like ah, eh, season
1: one of the X Files kind of sucks. Um, well, I mean the the Star Trek Reddit is funny because someone will come in and they'll be like, "Hi, I'm a 13 year old male who's never watched Star Trek, but I watched an episode of TNG uh, and I thought it was pretty good. Like, do you want to recommend which ones I watch?" Someone inevitably that's on it's obviously it's a focused subreddit, so people are going to be like hardcore for Star Trek, but people right. will always be like, "You have to watch." every single episode, because they are all fantastic. And it's yeah. like, I understand, but it's what you're saying. Like, if you don't watch the early seasons of DS9, it's hard to get, because you don't have that concentrated character establishment that modern shows have. You mm-hmm. you only really get to know the character by being bathed in mediocrity. You know what yes. I mean? Like, yeah. you need to sort of swim in this sort of sea of mediocre episodes for a while before the show really starts to figure itself out. It's more impressive that it takes... It's 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 probably the churn that they were going through that they couldn't take a second to sit back and say what's working here. They just had to get through the episodes as they were coming along. Right, right. And it's it's a little bit the surprise to me is that it takes so long for some of these series to collect themselves. Like every Star Trek series takes two seasons to get going. Um, the third season is when they kind of pull it together. Yeah, I think it's
0: something that's that's pretty uh like that that old style and the change that the modern change i feel like it's something that's fairly standard across all media now too like music you back in the you know 70s or so when when albums were when like albums were albums at their height you would be you'd have bands signed to like five five record deals where you know the first three albums are very good and then the fourth one they just you know figure it out and turn into this amazing band uh, nowadays, you do one shit record, you are done. That's even that's even if you get a record, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and comics are the same way. There used to be series, comic book series that were, you know, n- people weren't really buying it, but it was around for multiple hundreds of issues. Um, and you'd have, every now and then, it would hit something that was really great, and then, you know, the, the creative team would change, and sales would go down, and blah, 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 blah. But now it's, you know, a lot, I mean, cut. Ca- Comics are a lot, I'm not going to get into it, but it's, it's, I think there's less money overall probably too, is yes. the problem.
1: Yep. Um, so it's and a lot of people. The companies have wised up to the downside of long-term contracts like that. Yeah. Like there's no upside to it. My favorite counter example is um, Suicidal Tendencies, the sort of thrash metal band mm-hmm. had a, like a five-album deal or something. The first four albums are pretty solid or whatever. The first two are are great, potentially, and then they kind of uh, hit this mediocre period. But their last album on their first record deal, um, they wanted to break from the record company, but the company said that we have this contract, you need to give us one more album. Mm -hmm. The album they came out with is probably their worst. Every single song title has the word fuck in it, basically. (laughs) It is the least commercial album that you could possibly come up with. Mm-hmm. And they just spit it out to get it out of the contract and and get out of it, and it's not a good album or anything, but it's like that's the downside of a long term contract for the company.
0: Yeah, uh, my favorite example also is uh, is Neil Young, who did something similar, where he he didn't do, he didn't make it, you know, uh, obscene or anything, but basically he did a, he got signed to a long record deal and he made one album that was very much unlike anything he had ever done before, and the record company sued him. Because th- basically the idea was like uh, we thought we were getting we-, we wanted the Neil Young the brand not the artist yeah, so they wanted right. like his you know his classic name. stuff but yeah. he was doing what he was into and so they tried to sue him and I don't think that they won but he was still stuck in the record contract so he put out like three albums that were absolutely basically nobody was going to buy them. I'm sure he had a ton of fun doing it, but yep. like he did one album that was just like a rockabilly <laughs> album. Uh he did another album that was entirely el-
1: electronic. Uh, Elevator Jazz one. by Neil Young, yeah. What's that? Elevator Jazz by Neil Young. It's just well, him, it's so. it's
0: actually it's actually really interesting. It's an album called Trans and uh it's entirely uh like synth driven. Like the vocals are synth and the the music is synth and everything and it's not very good. It's it's a it's a tough listen. But, uh, in the years since he's come out and talked about it and said that, uh, he actually did that album because he wanted to make an album that his son could listen to. And his son has, uh, I think like cystic fibrosis or something like debilitating disease. Yeah, And I think he figured out that the sounds were something that he would, re- that his son would react to. So he made a whole album just using that sort of musical, uh, uh, process. Is this Which what is Mr. Actually, Holland's
1: Opus is based, yeah, based basically, on? basically. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, like that's kind of that's a really interesting thing for somebody to try. It's not commercial, um, but uh, it's it's definitely an interesting way to go down. But but after after they sued him, he was just like, "Fuck you guys! I'm going to make the worst, not the worst, yeah. but like the most non-commercial I could possibly yeah. make."
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. I can't. I can't blame them. Really. That's the that length of a contract is not a good idea for the company. Uh, It's not a good idea for anybody. Anyway, uh, let's see here. So those are it for Distant Voices. Uh, We'll give our final thoughts. I'm going to go first, Clay. I'll just say that I agree with Kyle. This is one of the worst episodes of the third season, in my opinion. I'm going to give Mm -hmm. it a one. I don't know if I would go that low. Um... Was there any moment in this episode that you enjoyed yourself? I spent the entire episode watching this saying, I'm not having fun with this. And it's like one of those, like, I just want the episode to wrap up.
0: Yeah, I would probably agree with that. Um yeah, maybe I will go one. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know cuz it's not like I think it's 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 mediocre, you know? I don't think it's actively terrible. Okay. Uh it's like I I feel like I've seen episodes that were actively terrible in in structure or writing, and this is like this is like a low fine. You know, like if if I had this on while I was doing something else, then I probably wouldn't really notice how how boring it was.
1: You, I mean, do you think that like I think that the I think that the execution of the concept is so bad that it is destructive to the concept. Like yeah. it's, it's, it's not. And to me, that's why it's a one. Like if this was a two, I would be like, oh, they tried to do some real cool symbolism stuff here. And a lot of it didn't work, but it was OK. I don't think they even tried here. It's just like this is our idea. Here's a plot that has nothing to do with our idea.
0: Yeah, I mean I won't argue with you there. That's 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 pretty accurate. I guess sure. yeah, I'll go one and a half. <laughs>
1: sure. That's that's fine. Um let's see. I think that's it. So Clave get a one and a half. I will give it a one. Uh not a very good episode. It's distant voices. Thank you very much for everybody for listening. If you want to support the show go to show, excuse me, support the show. Go to patreon.com slash Penske file. You can go to Facebook and Twitter, all that stuff. We have a Discord channel where people are chit chatting. And uh, that's about it. We'll be back with Through the Looking Glass is the next episode. And then uh, Clay will be doing that one with us. Clay, did you have anything you wanted to say before we wrap this one up? I think we did our non sequitur with Neil Young and uh, Mr. Holland's opus. Yeah, that'll cover it.
0: Uh, No, just keep your eyes – well, keep your ears open for uh, Batman the Animated Series podcast coming from myself and Sean Murphy. Should be coming pretty soon. We're getting closer. Yep. Uh, It's called the Bat-Ass Podcast, and you can follow us on twitter at b-a-t-t-a-s-s podcast and uh yeah so we should be gearing that up pretty soon i think
1: yeah should be should be due soon uh most of the episodes are on dropbox at this point i need to do some uploading but they should be out soon as soon as you guys finish the uh, the first season They'll yeah all it's come out netflix style
0: yeah it's been interesting because we were dropping the whole thing at, at once um and it really uh takes the pressure off having to record on a normal schedule so uh they've basically been recorded over the course of a year and a half. Yeah. So
1: <laughs> you guys are talking about like the 2016 election in the first episode.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, um, it's a time has passed. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, it's been interesting because Sean has been working on a Batman book while we've been doing this. So, so yep. he, he, we've kind of been dipping into that a bit and
1: seeing podcast how covers have... before he was even done with it. So it's like, yeah. it's, you get his sort of lead up, uh, thoughts about it.
0: Yeah, yeah. So it's been it's been really interesting. I think I think people people be into it if they like comics and uh, behind the scenes stuff and Batman the animated series. So check yep. it
1: out. Exactly. And it's coming out on Blu-ray as uh, Kyle Reed said in Discord today. So, yeah, that's going to be fun. Let's see. So I think that's it. I don't have anything else I want to say. We've got Through the Looking Glass will be the next episode. Thank you to everyone who's supporting the show. Thank you very much for listening. It means a tremendous amount. And as always, the Captain Tier gets a shout out on Patreon. It goes to Stephen Cobb, Samuel Custer, Santos Gonzalez, Robert Cummins, Andrew Kaolog, Matthew Cutler, Spinobi, Russ Graham, Eric Johnson, Nathan Elliott, Decker Sebastiani, Neil Brennan, Carrier Mobility. Michael Pond, Bradley Killens, Rune Vendler, Jay Stanley, Mike Burnett, Matthew Ross, Ben Douglas, Kyle Barrett, Joint Mango, Tark Latif. Guys, thank you very much. You make this all very much possible. It's greatly appreciated. Um, I think that's it. All right, Clay, we're done. We're going to be heading off with uh, Through the Looking Glass will be in the next episode. See you then.